Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, the three Muslims. We're joined here on a very special Friday with a very special guest, Josh. How's it going, man? I'm doing well in yourself, Fayad. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Doing well, doing well, bro. So, 38 viewers on the live stream. Let's go get the likes up, inshallah. It helps the viewers, helps the videos and the algorithm. But before we get right into it, Josh, tell me a little bit about why you reached out to us, a little bit about your journey, bro. Just so the viewers know where you are. Okay, so um, so a little background about myself. I'm from South Africa, and I'm 19 years old. And I'm currently studying in the United States, and I'm about to go to college in August. Um, so last year, January, I went back home, um, and I was very, I was really, I had no direction in my spiritual journey, you know, because I'm a Christian. I was raised in a Christian household. But I, I wasn't fulfilled, you know. I was looking for answers, things. There were a lot of contradictions that I came about. And I was just looking for, you know, the truth. So this is a funny story. So um, on, a, on a Friday, Friday afternoon, my grandfather asked me to go to the butchery to get some meat because we were, uh, my family was coming over, you know, we we're having a small family gathering. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there was this man, I forgot, his name was, his name was Jamil. As soon as I went into the store and I told him, I was like, so Jamil, what religion are you? And then he says, I'm a Muslim. And he tells me about Islam, just a little bit. We didn't go into detail. And then I told him that, like, I'm like, look, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not fulfilled with my spiritual self. And I don't know what to do. So out of the blue, he just gave me a Quran. And he said, here, go read this. Right. And then obviously I was still skeptical. I was like, um, I just don't know if I should do this or not. You know, um, and I was obviously still young and naive, you know, um, I was only like 17, 18. And then I went back home. Um, and this was a month before I came to the States. And I spoke to my parents about it and they said, no, don't do this. You know, we've been we've been Christian all our lives and we really don't want you to go on this journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how to take it, you know, because I feel like they were restricting me. Because with a person like myself, I want to learn new things. I want to be a very open-minded person, and I don't want to stay in the same stage in life over and over. So I went to the States, and it was about to be Ramadan. And I phoned Jamil, and he said, look, try out Ramadan and learn about Islam and just try your best and fast. So I fasted all 30 days and I was still playing sport. Um, it was it was tough. It was mentally challenging, but I still got through it. So after after Ramadan, I went back home and I told my parents, I was like, you know, I did Ramadan. I want to do my Shahada right away. Let's go find our nearest mosque so we can so we can go ahead with the preparations. And then they they looked at me and they they thought I was crazy or whatever. But um that really put me down. And I think throughout Ramadan, I, I was, I was happy, you know, I was, um, I wouldn't say I was fulfilled entirely, but I was, I was happy. And while I was learning about Islam, I just felt drawn to it. Like I just wanted to keep on learning about it and I didn't want to stop. And a year goes by and which now I'm here today, thank God. But, um, I found you guys' channel. So I was, li- I was listening to, I don't know if you guys are aware of Mufti Mink. 
I don't know mm-hmm. if that's how you say his name. And I watched a bit of his interviews and I watched a little bit of Ali Dawa. I don't know if you're also aware of him. So I watched their YouTube channels and um, something just led me to your guys' channel. And I want to ask you guys a few questions. So I think that's why I'm here today. Of course, man. Alhamdulillah. So for the viewers that don't know the backstory, uh, we got a comment from Brother Josh about a few days ago on YouTube, right? Basically had like a, a very summer, summarized version of what he's saying right now in the live. And I took it upon myself. As soon as I read it, I was like, bro, let's get him on the podcast. If he's done, you know, let's talk to him. Let's let's hook him up. Let's see what's good. And uh, when you mentioned uh, when we first spoke, you said that, you know, you're okay for the live stream. You have some questions, right? Bro, I didn't even want to hear the questions. I was so excited. I was just like hyped. Let's get the podcast going. Let's let's mm-hmm. show your journey to the world. And now it's time, and and I hope you have your questions ready, bro. I do, I do. All right, then. With that, with that being said, bro, hit us up. What, what are the questions? Okay, so my first question is: Which book should I read to expand my knowledge about Islam and the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? Hmm. Who wants to go first? Good question, Allah. Narami, bro, take it away because you got a nice shirt today, Mashallah. <laughs> All right, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So, when it comes to learning about Islam uh, and learning about the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, those are almost almost two similar but different things. And the reason I say that is because although you'll learn about Islam reading the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, you won't exactly get an in depth teaching because the Sirah is not a book of, you know, kind of um, step one through. 100 on what Al-Qaeda is, what our belief is, what our practices are, and all of that. There are thousands of a hadith, and there are many volumes of books about the life of the Prophet. If you want to read about the life of the Prophet, uh, if you do want to read instead of watch and listen to a lecture, then the Sealed Nectar is probably the most famous, the most popular Sira book, a book on the life of the Prophet. Peace and blessings be upon him. If you want to learn about what we believe and what we practice, then there are books from our scholars like Imam Shafi. Uh, there are books from Imam Nawawi. There are books from Imam Ahmed, uh, from uh, Imam Abu Hanif, and other scholars. But I wouldn't recommend jumping into the scholars' work. I would recommend something a little more baseline, a little more fundamental. So, like maybe like the fundamentals of Islam, the fundamentals of belief in Islam, and so on and so forth. But the absolute best way to learn Islam. And to feel that <clears throat> connection with God in your heart mm. is to read the Quran. And I'm sure you have maybe twice, three times. Allahu Alam. I don't know how many times you read the Quran. But reading the Quran will give you that connection with Allah. So I'm going to suggest two things. <clears throat> that you read Quran regularly in a reflective manner, in a reflective state. That when you read a few verses, you sit there and you reflect on what it could mean. And you'll find that it could mean more things than it appears to in the beginning. It could relate to more things in life than you may have thought initially when you, you know you first read it. Yeah. And Allah SWT says in the Quran, He says, Those who believe and whose hearts are content with the remembrance of Allah, indeed with the remembrance of, of Allah, the hearts find contentment. So that ease, that contentment that you are looking for, that we as human beings look for, strive for, because we're created to want to have this, is a contentment from remembering Allah, from remembering God. So reading the Quran and reflecting on it will do that. 
And then I'm going to recommend that you have some brothers like you have here, inshallah, that you can reach out to that can teach you about Islam. Because the Islamic method of teaching is that of a student and their mentor, a student and their teacher. So not so you don't just learn the fundamentals and the belief and the practices from them, but you also learn the mannerisms and the character from them. Yes, I understand. Because um, it's also hard for me where I am now. Um, I think there's there's only one Muslim person here, so it's hard to learn from multiple people, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's that's the hard part about learning like the mannerisms and how you act on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I see. Do, do you not have a masjid in your area? It's the nearest one is two hours away. Wow. Yeah. Let's get you a masjid down there, inshallah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. But that that aside, bro, these things are going to come naturally over time. Me, Rami, and Anha, we've experienced like a honing of these skills over time, alhamdulillah, and it just comes very slowly. But in terms of the Quran, what I wanted to add before Brother Anha jumps in is one thing that truly helped me, and I, I, my mind went blank. I don't know if Rami already mentioned this or not, but go into it as if Allah, God, is speaking to you in the Quran. Go into it as if Allah is directly speaking to you. You know, and everything you're hearing is is the word of God, which it is, right? But if you if you go into it just thinking, oh, it's just a book, it's just a religious book, it's a religious text, or it's kind of like the Gospels, then you, you're not going to get the same effect. But if you go into it with the frame of mind of what it truly is, that it's the word of Allah, it's a complete game changer, bro. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I'll add, and it's something that I've just recently kind of started doing, is when you read the Quran, like, you know, when you read any book, you, you might read over a few lines and then you forget what you read. So then you go back and then you read the same lines over again. Yeah. Um, SubhanAllah, it's, it's actually quite crazy how that is and how perfect it is because in the Quran, like, when you do this, when that happens and you have to, like, come back and then read certain lines again, each time that you do that, it's almost like the intensity of what's being said actually becomes greater and greater. And it'll get to points where you almost feel like like God is just straight up just yelling everything out. Um, not in a bad way, but like the words are so powerful that it feels like it's just being yelled out to you. So okay, don't be afraid when you're reading it to like... You know, let's say you read two, three lines, like stop and then go back and read the same two, three lines or, or read like another line again. Like, it, Don't try to rush through it. Don't try to read as much as you can as possible. Like a lot of people, they'll go into Ramadan and they'll say, you know, I'm going to read the entire Quran this month, which, you know, like that's beautiful. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also, like Rami said, the reflective way where you read it and you really take your time with it. And you got to understand, like, we work off, um, we, it's, like a, it's like a wave, you know, like you go in the ocean, a wave doesn't have a peak 24-7. You have, like, the wave that goes up and the wave that comes down. And then you have, like, the bottom portion until the next peak comes. That's kind of how it is for us. Like, sometimes we'll be able to read a lot at once and retain and actually like be reflective and, and gather insight from it. And then sometimes we won't be able to really read that much. And that's all right. We might only be able to get like one sentence, one ayat. Mm. Right. And, and that's it. That's okay. That's, that's exactly how it should be in that time. Cause like, bro, there was, 
there were months at a time where I would only read like one sentence or two sentences per day. But like I would really reflect on those one or two sentences. And then there's times where I'll read like several pages per day and then really reflect on that. So you just gotta you know, don't 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 try to be obsessive with like trying to finish X amount when you were reading it. Just take your time with it, bro. Yeah, bro. And one thing I wanted to add to, I know we took almost 10 minutes for your first question, bro. So yeah, we'll no try problem. to be a little more concise. You, you probably sense we're very enthusiastic, bro, about Islam. So we'll try to be a little more summated because I know you got a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um. Also, don't worry because I'm still taking notes while you guys are speaking. So no worries, no worries, bro. All right. So, what was, what's the next question? Bro? Um. The next question. So... How does dating work um, in Islam? Um, because if I was to do my shahada and convert, right, and I'm about to go into college, and you know, as you get to college, you know, <laughs> experimentations are done, you know, there's a lot of natu- natural obligations, as Angle will say, going on. <laughs> and uh, um, if you don't date, right, how do you get married? And yeah, that's. I think I'm gonna leave it there. If you don't date, how do you get married? <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in first. All right. So first off, you know, I'm sure you've heard that, like, in Islam, it's it's encouraged for the the young to marry young. Yeah. Right. So this this is should be done. You know, I I agree 100. percent But Coming from like someone who's reverted not too long ago, like almost two years ago, actually. Wow, mashallah. Take the time to like focus on yourself and heal and learn Islam and get your connection with Allah before you start looking for women. Mm. Because in Islam, we have this prayer known as the Istahada prayer, and, and it's, it's the prayer of guidance. Now, anyone can pray the Istahada prayer, but I found that, like, the more in tune with Allah that I am and and the more that I've been, like, working on myself and just healing from all the things and, and not really doing things that pull me away from Allah, the deeper I can go into that prayer and the more guidance that I get from that prayer and answers that I get from that prayer. Um, so it's not to say that you won't it won't be answered. It's not to say that, you know what, like, it's the moment you become a Muslim, you could probably find a wife. You probably couldn't, man. Like, Allah knows best. You probably could. But I've just come to find that, like, you know what? You want to take care of yourself and your connection with Allah first. And then Allah will provide you with the woman that, you know, will be good for you, inshallah. Fire, bro. Thank you. Bro, I had nothing else to say aside from what Anil said, bro. Pretty concise. Subhanallah. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. Really good answer, MashaAllah. Now, uh, I want to touch on the, the fiqh a little bit. Uh, so, how do we date in Islam? It's funny because you'll find even Muslims use this word date. How do I know uh, we, uh, we're, we're dating now or whatever? Hal- what halal Muslim? dating. Yeah, halal dating. What does that mean? Uh, so, we don't date in Islam at all. Sometimes people use the term to refer to the state that they're in before they get married which is getting to know each other which is recommended mm-hmm. by the prophet peace be upon him there is a hadith where a a man went to the prophet and he said i'm getting married the prophet asked have you seen her he said no and the prophet said go see her so 
we're encouraged to go see those we're you know gonna marry to there's no such thing as uh just uh kind of forced marriages like oh you know your wedding's tomorrow your mom comes to you like hey your wedding's tomorrow you're marrying your cousin blah, blah, blah. that's not islamic just i wanted to slip that in there so how do we date if you see someone like let's see uh, let's say you see a sister that you want to marry you don't go to her and be like yo shawty what's up uh, you look fine today yo can i holler at you it's not like that. <laughs> It's yeah. you go to her and you say, or maybe even slip her a note and you say in a very modest way, Salam alaikum sister. You know, I'd like to get to know you for marriage. Uh, is your father around? Is your brother around? I'd like to talk to him. Be a man and you go ask for, you know, the man in your family, basically. And uh, if that man deems you worthy, then inshallah, uh, if he is a good man, he sees you have good character, good religion. He sees that you'd be a good fit for his daughter and she's interested, then he'll allow it. And you guys will start talking. So under supervision of, you know, her brother or maybe in some cases the sister as well. Uh, and you'll start talking, getting to know her because you don't need to date to be able to marry someone, believe it or not. You don't need to be able to take them for a physical test run to, you know, touch them and be like, yeah, this feels right. Stuff for a lot mm -hmm. of things. You don't need that. Like we're all sexual animals, 100 percent. If you're attracted to someone and you connect with them, uh, you have the same belief and you, you know, you, you know that you guys can be intimate in the future once you're married. There's not going to be a problem as long as you guys are compatible, inshallah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. You get you get to really know someone too. And this is this is the last time I like slide in. You get to really know someone mm -hmm. when you take sex out of the equation. Like in the West, um, I don't know if it's like this in, in Africa, but in, in the West, for the most part, like people they they do the test runs, so to say, like how Rami said. But these test runs, man, they cloud your judgment mm. over the person, right? So it's like you might there might be these red flags that are popping up, but you won't be able to catch on to the red flags because your your head is clouded with the good feelings of the uh, physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. that physical intimacy is not there, well, now you see everything very clearly. And if mm -hmm. if there are red flags and there are certain things that this person is doing that you know what you really don't you really don't agree with like you know this is not something that you would actually want in a partner. Yeah. It's very easy for you to see, and once you catch on, like you can cut it off right there, and there's no hard feeling because again, like there's there's no attachment really. You guys are still just talking without any physical intimacy. So um, there's reason for everything, bro. The more yeah. you get into Islam, you start to realize that. I know, I know you're growing up in, in like, you're, like, here in the West now in, in America. Mm. And you see, like, hookup culture, you know, people are having sex and they say, oh, well, there's no, we're not going to get attached, you know, we're just hooking up. We're not mm. trying to, you know, have any emotions. Bro, that doesn't exist, bro. Let's be honest, bro. That mm. doesn't exist. You yeah, can't I don't... have sex without somewhat of an emotional connection. And in Islam, that does not come until after nikah. And there's a lot of scholars too, right? I'm not a scholar, so I can't tell you, you know, the, verify the authenticity of this. But I heard a lot of scholars say you shouldn't even fall in love with the person until after nikah. Because a lot of people make that trap of getting too attached before nikah. And then they ignore other red flags too. Just like Anhal saying. Yeah. And on that point, I don't find it very healthy because it's not good for your soul. Because imagine you're sleeping around with a lot of people. Now you're leaving your soul with this person, with this person, with mm. that person. Facts. And you know, soul ties are a thing, you know. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that kind of lifestyle, you know. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. Yeah. You already know that one. What's the next one, bro? Um. So this one's for Uncle. Um. 
How did your family process the fact that you converted to Islam? And uh, it was a it was a gradual process. What was the final bit of the question? Um, and how how did you break it to them? Like how how did you tell them that like look this is what I'm about to do with my life? Yeah, so uh, I told them after I became Muslim. I, I didn't consult them or, or like ask them like how they felt. I just, you know, I felt it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm a Muslim. I took my Shahada with this beautiful brother right here, Fayyad. He actually guided me through it. May Allah bless him. Uh, but then when I told my family, I first started with my mom. And when I broke it to her, we were just walking. And then one day I was like, you know, kind of telling her some things about the Quran. Like, you know what's crazy? Like, in the Quran, it says this, this, and that. And then she's like, oh, like, that's that's actually pretty amazing. Like, I agree with that. I agree with that. Everything I kept throwing up, she was like, I agree with it. I was like, I was like, yeah, that's pretty wild, isn't it? And she's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I just want to let you know that I'm a Muslim now. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, yeah. bro, she's, she stayed quiet, and she didn't really know how to react. And then when we got in the car, like, shortly after to go somewhere, she was like, oh, don't tell anyone, like, you make sure that you keep it a secret. And I'm, I'm like, why? And she's like, oh, because you're going to be targeted. Like, they're, they're going to come after you. And I'm like, mom, like, I love you, but you just, what you think right now is just the uh, the misconceptions of what people think Muslims are. You know, we don't have to say it on stream, on air, for you to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's what she thought it was. You know, over time, she... She uh, started to accept it more and more, and um, you know she's with it. My dad, my dad, he kind of like he accepted it from the go, but later on, like he kind of questioned me about it because there was a point where we were at a family gathering and everyone was like doing shots, like shots of alcohol, and you know as a Muslim we don't drink alcohol, mm-hmm. and then like they were basically trying to like peer pressure me like oh come like take this shot i'm like nah like i'm good and like why i was like you know why and like no why i was like because i'm a muslim and as a muslim we do not drink alcohol and then they they stay kind of quiet and i i think my mom and my dad were like oh like why do you have to do that why do you have to ruin the vibe i was like listen i'm not ruining anything like if y'all want to do that like that's y'all's decision like this is my decision this is what i'm gonna do and then from there, my dad was questioning me about Islam. And he asked me, like, why? Why did I choose Islam? And I told him exactly why. And once I told him, he was just like, stay quiet. He's like, mm. all right. Um, and then from there, bro, like, you know, my sister and my brother, they obviously going to accept it. Like, what are they going to say, you know? Mm. But the, the biggest thing that I can say here is, like, once you start to you know, follow Islam, once you start to believe more, you start to practice more and do all this stuff, once they see that you're in it 100%, they will follow. You know, they may not follow in the sense of them becoming Muslims. I mean, Allah knows best. God knows best. Mm-hmm. But they will follow in the sense that they will support you. And they'll respect the fact that I, I'm a Muslim yeah. as well. Yeah. And bro, it goes, it goes with anything in life. Like, people, people don't believe People don't believe what you're saying until you believe it. Mm. So it's like, 
once you're about it, then they're going to be about it. It's just, it's how it is, man, with everything. Okay. Um, so my next question is, what is the difference between a Shia and a Sunni? Uh, me, bro. Go right in. <laughs> if I was, um, if I was to convert, um, do I have to, um, and do I have to choose one? Well, right. like, how does it work? That's right. yeah. It's a, good, it's a good question, mashallah. Actually, this question comes up so much by both Muslims and non-Muslims that I asked my Sheikh about it just to be extra sure that uh, I'm giving the right answer here. So the difference between the Shias and the Sunnis are basically is a political difference. It's not a the it wasn't a theological one. It wasn't one in belief. It wasn't even really one in practice in the beginning. It was literally just a political one, where as Muslims, we have a khalifa, we have a, an Islamic leader who governs the Islamic state, the Islamic nation, and is obliged basically to take care of them and lead them under the laws of God, subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> we believe that after the Prophet, peace be upon him, passes away, that the ummah, the entire nation, has a right to select a leader for themselves. We believe that this is a God-given right. And we have the ahadith to, uh, to prove that. They believe that it should have been Ali, radiallahu anhu. Bro, bro, quick context. When you say we, you're talking about us as Sunni. As, us as Sunnis, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people Thank are wondering, well, which side are you guys on? <laughs> Jazakallah khair. And mm -hmm. I'm going to get into that. It shouldn't be which side and this and that. I'll mm -hmm. get into that. Uh, Jazakallah khair for clarifying that. So yeah, we as Sunnis believe that the Muslim ummah, the nation, all the Muslims get to vote on a khalifa. And the Shias believe that this is somebody who was appointed and that the person who was supposed to be appointed is um, uh, Ali, radiallahu anhu, who, who was related to the Prophet, wasalam. And um, we're not doubting that Ali would have been a great first Khalifa, second Khalifa, third Khalifa. As Sunnis, we don't, we don't have a problem saying that the first four Khalifas could have been in any order. It could have been Uthman and then Abu Bakr, then Omar, then Ali. Either one of them would have done a fantastic job of being the first, second, third, or fourth. The way it ended up going was it was Abu Bakr, then Omar, then Uthman, and then Ali. So what started as a political dispute, and there have been wars and stuff between Muslims after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him, which he actually prophesied and talked about, um, like uh, Aisha radiallahu anha fighting with this person and this person fighting with that person and fighting within the Muslim after he passes away. And there's a beautiful hadith which really clarifies this. For the Prophet, peace be upon him, <clears throat> he prays, he makes a dua to Allah and he asks, Oh Allah, do not allow my, my ummah to be overtaken by another nation. And then Allah accepted that dua. And he said, Ya Allah, do not let my, my ummah be overtaken by a, like some kind of natural disaster. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that dua. And then the Prophet said, he asked, Oh Allah, do not allow my ummah to be divided and fall into sectarianism. And fall into different sects and, and fight and stuff. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that no, this is their test. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, knew exactly what was going to happen. And now it's something that has become theological later on. Now the Shias, they have different theological beliefs. And some of them take it to the extent of saying certain things that take them out of the fold of Islam. They will say the angel Gabriel made a mistake and went to Muhammad وسلم, instead of Ali. And they completely change things around. So as a Sunni, obviously I'm biased and being biased isn't always bad as long as it's towards the truth. And, mm -hmm. you know, we can talk about off stream why more specifically, 
But if you accept Islam today, inshallah, you will be a Sunni. Now, our Shia is not Muslim. That's not true. And if you were to, in my opinion, uh, people differ on this. In my opinion, in my teacher's opinion, if you were to accept Islam and start practicing like a Shia, we still believe you would be a Muslim. But we believe that you would be misguided in some ways. So mm -hmm. we don't say that Shias are not Muslim. They are Muslim. But we believe, we, have, uh, we believe that they have some things wrong. There are some Shias, again, that have certain beliefs that take them out of the fold of Islam. But there are some people that claim to be Sunni that uh, have, you know, beliefs that take them out of the fold of Islam as well. So I hope that makes sense, inshallah. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, bro, just to keep it very simple, just become Muslim. Like, don't don't worry about sex and all that stuff. Like, listen, I'm, I'm two years in. Ram, listen, Rami's saying the truth, but I'm two years in. I don't consider myself any anything. I'm, I'm a Muslim. That's it. I'm a Muslim. And, and that's all that really needs to be in it, especially for a river, bro, in the beginning. Mm. You know, like, develop your connection with Allah first. That's that's the main mm. thing, bro. I always tell people this, too. Like, the, the, the Sunni sect itself, I don't even consider it a sect, bro. I consider it just what Anhel's saying, what this brother's saying, that you're a Muslim. See, the fact is, the Prophet came, and all the prophets came, all the messengers of Allah came, and to give them Tawheed, the message of one true God, and to just be guided to the right path, the straight path, right? This, by definition, makes you a Muslim. But because of difference in opinion, because of people think, thinking, you know, they make their, their whims and desires and their own ideologies the right path, because of all of this, we have what we have today, right? We sects in Islam. We have Ahmadis, who I don't even consider Muslim, to be honest. We have uh, Shia, we have Sufi, we have uh, Ismaili, we have all of this, right? But because of all of this, that's why we have Sunni, right? Because we don't want to make sects. But we have Sunni just to show, okay, because y'all already have all these sects, we're going to make this one just to make like this orthodox, pure, unadulterated, unfiltered, legit version of Islam. Mm. Okay. Um, my next question is, what is Sharia? Um, I haven't, um, I wasn't able to it was it was kind of confusing for me, so I just want your full insight on what that is. All right, another another great question, mashallah. Because a lot of people in the West are like, "Oh, they're trying to bring their Sharia law here. They're trying to cut off our hands with Sharia law." And oh, okay, relax. <laughs> Sharia is just the Islamic law in general. Um, encompassed within the Sharia <clears throat> are multiple things. There is the personal fiqh rulings. As an individual, for example, um, <clears throat> trying to think of a good one. Uh, within the Sharia, you as a Muslim, you're obligated to pray five times a day, right? Yeah. So that is within the fiqh of Islam. And some scholars say that the term fiqh, which is like the rulings, and Sharia, which is like the rulings of Islam, are synonymous. They're the same exact thing. So there are, like I said, multiple types. The personal one, <clears throat> then there's the communal one. The communal rulings and obligations and the obligations in the laws that kind of come from above, top down, or from Allah that apply to all of humanity on a communal level. So that does include things like capital punishment and uh, lashing for slandering and uh, forcing a man to, you know, give money to take care of his children and things like that because he's obligated to and he's able to, but maybe he's just neglecting them and so on and so forth. But it's not this kind of crazy barbaric thing that people try and portray in the west not not paying income tax is a part of sharia law you know having access to public resources is a part of sharia law 
having public health care is a part of Sharia law. You know, giving 2.5% approximately of your savings, of your excessive wealth, is a part of Sharia law that goes to the poor. Taking care of the orphans and the poor, you know, that's a part of Sharia law. So Sharia law is so encompassing. It's literally all the rulings in Islam that we are obliged to follow as Muslims. Okay. Um, cause this is the second last question. Um, would it be beneficial for me to learn the Arabic language? Yes. I think but, I can speak on behalf of everyone here when I say yes. Yeah. We are very, very firm on that. Yeah, but again, it's it's become Muslim first, bro. Like that's something that comes later. Like I'm I'm learning Arabic right now, so it's okay. it's all a learning process. You do it in steps. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna tell you the advice that I gave Anha, bro. And again, no pressure, bro. If you don't think you're ready, you know. But there was this time when me and Anha were talking, just like Anha mentioned in the beginning, and he was getting curious into Islam, and he was feeling that pull, and he was getting all the everything was kind of you know clicking for him, and he was ready. And uh, I gave this advice to a lot of people too. They're they're like, how do I know this is the time? How do I know this is the time? Let me at least do this first. Let me at least do that first, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is a scare tactic, bro. So take this out of love when I tell you this right now. But mm -hmm. you really don't know what's going to happen when you step out the door. You really don't know if you're going to make it till that day where you, you let go of your ego and you say the shahada or you make things right with Allah. When it's all said and done, right? Saying that, oh, Allah... If only you gave me another day, or if only you gave me another year, if only you let me, you know, break up with my girlfriend and then make it right. Bro, when it's all said and done, that, that's not going to fly as an excuse, bro. Saying, oh, if only this, if only that. What matters is, what did you do with the time that you were given, bro? So delaying it any second more than necessary, I think, is something we shouldn't do. And that advice, usually I give it to everyone, bro. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, as a Muslim, as someone who's, you know, born into Islam, as someone who's actually Arab, who's Palestinian, I don't speak Arabic still. I'm still learning, alhamdulillah. And I'm 21 years old. So it's natural. It's normal. It's okay. Most people in the world don't speak Arabic. But that, the, that honestly, has never really stopped anyone from becoming Muslim. And if it was something that was prerequisite to Islam, then Allah would have made a prerequisite that you need to speak Arabic in order to be Muslim. But he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He says you need to believe X, Y, Z. You need to testify that belief. And that's it. That's it. And bro, Josh, one more thing too. Islam was revealed over 23 years. I don't know if you know this, but it took yes, 23 years for the full Quran to be revealed, for all of Islam to be delivered. Right? So if you look at this, right, the Muslims at the time, bro, they were constantly changing, constantly adapting, constantly learning new things. Right? There was never like this just, here's all of Islam. Take it right, out, right off the bat. You know, it was never like that off the rip. So it was always constant adaptation, constant learning, right? So this whole thing is a lifelong process, bro. There's people I know that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s now that they're finally getting religious. They're finally learning Arabic. They're finally getting on deen. So that's the thing, bro. I'd rather you take the first step than take no step. But then once you get it, bro, everything usually falls into line naturally, bro. And it's that natural course that's the sustainable course where you don't think you're doing too much more than you can handle. Bro, and I'm going to say this here because it's very important, but before I became Muslim, like, I had the experience that I had, and I won't get into the experience because, well, I, I've said it multiple times, and I have a video in my channel where I'm, like, you know, talking about my experience. Um, but nonetheless, it was a very powerful experience. It was one that, that it was, like, once you experience it, you have zero doubt whatsoever that it's the truth. You know, and, and I had this experience. I told Fyatt about it. 
And then I told Fire, well, you know what? In Islam, it's haram to get tattoos. I want to tattoo my entire body, so I'm I'm gonna become a Muslim <laughs> after I tattoo my entire body. Astaghfirullah, bro. May God forgive me. But I was saying that, and I said it to him, and like him, him being a good friend, he was just like, he was like, yeah, okay, like I, I see where you're coming from. But then he made the point that he brought up to you, where he's like, well, what if, you know, what if you, you end up dying um, before that even happens? And I brought up the thing is like, oh, well, God knows what's in my heart. God knows that I was a Muslim. And then he had said like, yeah, like in your heart, you could have already taken your Shahada, but you haven't put it into existence. You haven't said it on your lips. And when you say it on your lips, that's what causes like the whole chain of events to start occurring, like the real changes to yeah. start occurring, you know? So it has to be in both. It has to be in your heart and it has to be on your tongue. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Um, so, uh, last question. Mm-hmm. Do I have to change my name to a Muslim name if I revert, convert? No, no, bro. That is that is one of the biggest <laughs> misconceptions before the two amigos here jump in. On yeah. till this day, hasn't changed his name, right? Um, from what I know, bro, secretly, bro, he could be living a complete double life that me and Rami have no idea about behind the scenes, right? But we can only go based off of what he tells us. And I'm just playing. But, uh, you know, me and Rami, we got more practicing on Dean later in life, right? But we were born Muslims. Most of the reverts I know, they didn't change the name. Changing your name from what I understand, right? And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. is just something to give you that Muslim identity. It's not, you know, jurisprudentially obligation you know it's not it's obligatory it's not something that you have to do it's not an obligation on you um it's some it's kind of like when when someone becomes muslim a lot of reverts i know they start wearing like the thobes you know or they start wearing the the, the kufi the hat like like anhel's wearing you know it's just something you do just to identify after being muslim it's kind of like when you go to uni or college in the states you know you wear like the you wear the your your sports team your your school's team you know on, on yeah. like a t-shirt or a hoodie right it's just something just to just to get that click just to get that affiliation that identity but it's not something yeah. that you have to do right yeah. mm. um forgive me i just thought about one last question of course um, oh, there are five pillars of islam right there's your iman there's salat there's siyam there's zakat and there's hajj i don't know if i said them right yeah um so what happens to a muslim who does not follow one of the pillars so but any Muslim, other four. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. My bad. What's the, what's the rest of the question? Yeah, that was that was the whole question. Okay, I thought Bismillah. So any Muslim who doesn't fulfill the five obligations, it depends. If it's the first one, of belief and test testimony of there's no God worthy worship except Allah, and the Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger of of God or last and final prophet and messenger of God. If they don't believe that, then they're not a Muslim to begin with. Because you cannot be a Muslim without believing that it's explicitly mentioned in the Quran. And to disbelieve in the Quran, you wouldn't be a Muslim to begin with. So if that's, you know, there, then we have four, which are actions. Even the testimony of faith, scholars say it's an action, but it's it's also the belief and touch behind it, which is with all deeds. So when it comes to prayer, charity, fasting, and going for hajj, if a Muslim is able, pardon me? Are you talking about giving zakat too? Did I mention zakat? 
You said you, yeah, yeah, nah. So just the the five after the shahada. Yeah, the four after the shahada. The four after the shahada, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So prayer, charity, fasting, and hajj. When it comes to these, if a Muslim is able to and they don't, they are sinful because they are obligatory. These are things that Allah has prescribed for Muslims to do. Hmm. And He's prescribed them for us and He loves them uh, when they're done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a hadith that is called the hadith Qudsi, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, said it. So the Prophet peace upon him says that Allah the Most High has said. Uh, I believe it's a hadith Qudsi. It might not be, but regardless, it's a hadith where it says that the most beloved deeds or acts of worship to Allah are the ones which He made obligatory, the ones you have to do. So you can argue that he made them obligatory because he loves them or he loves them because they're obligatory. Regardless, mm -hmm. if a Muslim is able to and doesn't do them, then they are sinful for that. And you can find the benefits behind all these things. The cat feeding the poor, obviously, it's clear what the benefit is. Praying and, you know, people talk about meditation and stuff. Prayer salah is actually a different level with the different movements that we do and what we recite and how it gives us a different level of connection and contentment with God. And uh, going for Hajj is a completely mind-blowing experience, which you can only really testify to if you've been on it. And the brothers who have been to Hajj or Umrah can testify to that. And fasting Ramadan, which we're in the beautiful month of Ramadan now, alhamdulillah, has many beautiful benefits, especially spiritual uh, spiritual benefits. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast, brother. It's when the deeper you get into islam like the more you see like everything has reason you know so it's like okay you have these these four other pillars aside from the shahada like bro like yeah you, you you're sinful if you don't do them and one might think like oh well damn i'm gonna become a muslim and i'm gonna have to uphold myself to all these things i'm gonna have to do all this it's like from the outside looking in like if you're not doing it it looks like a lot at first but in reality, it's not. And then when you do these things, again, it's it's all for a reason. You do these things, it brings you closer to God. The closer you are to God, the more at peace you are, the more successful you are in this life and in the next. Like mm -hmm. the better your character gets, the better you treat others, the better others treat you the better your mental health everything is just affected by this that's why it's like that's why we do this bro because it's again it was put upon us it's obligatory it's like look this is what you have to do but there was reason why you had to do this it's like one of them is uh when you get deeper into the quran it's like don't drink alcohol like i said in in the story with, with what was going on like don't drink alcohol Someone might see that as a bad thing, but you you know how bad alcohol can be if you drink it. You know it, it's not good for you. It, it's it's poisonous, bro. Like it's it's poisoning your body. It and exactly, bro. But God understands that He's created things and some things there's benefit and everything there's benefit and there's there's harm, right? But in some things, there's more harm than benefit. And in other things, there's more benefit than harm. And he clarified that in alcohol, there is more harm than there is of benefit. And people know this very clearly. You know, like someone might have social anxiety. They might drink alcohol and it makes them loosen up. And they'll actually be able to talk and have a good time and, and not really 
experience the social anxiety anymore. But you know what? Then they be they they start to build a dependency on this. Mm. Then they um every time they go out now now they have to drink a little bit more, a little bit more, a little mm. bit more. You know, and then it's like they they just become crippled and it just they they don't even know how to function without it. And then when they are on it, it doesn't work the same. It doesn't have the same effect. So then it's like they just their social anxiety begins to creep in even with the alcohol. So there was some benefit, but the harm mm-hmm. further outweighed that. And obviously the physical, mental, all this stuff that's going to occur after that. So with this thing, it's saying do not drink alcohol. You can see it as a bad thing, but in reality, it's a good thing. Mm. And that's that's with everything, bro. And, and Allah writes in the Quran too, you might like a thing which is bad for you, harmful for you. You know, you might hate a thing which is good for you, bro. But with that being said, bro, some couple months ago or a year ago, two years ago on a Friday, bro, you asked Jamil that question. We're sitting here on a Friday right now, bro. Yeah. What's on your <laughs> mind, man? Tell us if you're ready, bro. If, um, I'm a firm believer of... Um, of the present i'm meant to be here right now today and i don't think it's a it it wasn't it was not supposed to happen so i believe that i am ready to um to start a new life and to see where god takes me from here and i know if i am to revert life won't be easy you know life is not easy for anyone but um the hardships are put there for you to grow and expand as a person you yeah. know, yeah. so yeah, I, f- I feel good. I'm nervous, but um, I feel like nervous. Oh, um, All right, while Rami takes over for a bit, I'm just gonna change the live chat to public so anyone can comment because we're gonna we're gonna spam the comments now, bro. But Rami, bro, take over. Mashallah. All right. So firstly, I'm just gonna ask you a few questions uh, to see if you believe what a Muslim should believe and if you have the correct belief. So just in case there's anything missing, we can correct it now. So okay. do you believe? That there is one God worthy of worship. Yes, I do. And do you believe that this God is one alone without a second, without a husband, wife, father, son, partners, associates in any way? Yes, I do. Perfect. Do you believe in the angels? Yes, I do. Do you believe in the books and the revelation that God has sent? Yes, I do. Do you believe in the prophets and messengers? Yes, I do. Do you believe in... The day of judgment, life after death, heaven and hell, and judgment from God? Yes, I do. And do you believe in Qadr, which is destiny and decree from God? Yes, I do. Perfect. MashaAllah. And do you believe that the Quran is the unaltered word of Allah? Yes, I do. MashaAllah. Okay, so you're going to repeat after me first. What do you want to do in, uh, uh, first? Do you want to do Arabic or English first? Let's do Arabic. Uh, um, Arabic first, please. Arabic first? Okay, yeah. MashaAllah. And so I'll put it if I, if I mess up the words in the way, you know. Um, yeah, no worries, bro. No. I will, inshallah. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Ashadu. Ashadu. En la. En la. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illa Allah. Il Allah. Wa. Wa. Ashadu. Ashadu. Enna. Enna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Rasul. Rasul. Allah. Allah. Now you're going to repeat after me in English. I bear witness. I bear witness. That there is no God worthy of worship. That there is no God worthy of worship. Except Allah. Except Allah. And I bear witness. 
and I bear witness that the Prophet Muhammad, that the Prophet Muhammad is the last and final, is the last and final Prophet and Messenger of God. Prophet and Messenger of God. Takbir, Allahu Akbar. If I could, if I could give you a hug right now, I give you a hug, but I can't. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Man, yo, so I got, I got a few Arabic names. If you want to choose, we got Jabril, we got uh, Ahmed, we got. No, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, didn't you say that I didn't have to change my name or something? <laughs> I was like, no, bro, I ain't say that. That was fire. <laughs> so, since, since we don't have too too long, I do want to mention something. It's actually something that you mentioned, which I think is very beautiful, which is basically when you're put in situations that are difficult, that are testing you, that are trying you, mm -hmm. it's because it's meant to happen. It's supposed to make you better. Mm -hmm. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he actually says in a hadith that when Allah loves a person, he tests them. Now, why is this? Because even, even the most atheistic person, when they're tested hard enough, when they're tried, Hard enough and the challenge is difficult enough they will call on god and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran he, he gives basically a story of people traveling on sea and the waves start to overtake their ship so they start crying out to god and they start praying to allah and when allah saves them they turn back on their promise that they made some of them uphold their promise and others they turn back on it yeah so what i'm trying to get at here is as a muslim Yes, Islam is going to be beautiful. Islam is going to make your life better in terms of your, your life here your, in your afterlife. You're going to live, inshallah, the best possible life because you're doing exactly what you're created to, to do, which is worship one God alone. But that doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. That doesn't mean that life is going to be a simple, straightforward walk in the park. There's, it's, it, Islam is a straight path, but shaitan is going to try and bring you off of it. And you will be tested and you will be tried. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, do you think you'll be left alone saying we believe and you're not going to be tested? So it's very important that as Muslims, we, we remember that even though we are trying to establish the kingdom of God on earth and that we believe what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed uh, to its purest form, inshallah, may Allah keep us guided, doesn't mean that everything's going to be super easy. I'm going to be rich and I'm going to be famous and everyone's going to love me and no, but as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you and you enjoin good and forbid evil, then you will be successful, inshallah. Thank you for that, Rami. Thank you. Habibi, of course. Alhamdulillah. Bro. All good is from Allah. Yeah, all good is from Allah. Just remember, man, a smooth sea never made a skill sailor. You know, every, every hardship that you face, every trial that comes, just know that it's it was meant for you. And uh, I think you already know this from what you said. Yeah. And brother, like Rami said it so good, where it's like Allah puts this hardship in our life and, and it makes us see like, okay, we really can't do anything without Allah. So it's like, in reality, like uh, this entire journey of life is just coming back to Allah. So anytime that you feel like you're experiencing extreme hardship, ask yourself like, are you close to Allah? Or are you far from Allah? If you're far from Allah, well, then it's clear sign for you to come back to Allah. And if you're close to Allah and you're experiencing hardship, well, bro, just know that Allah really loves you, man. Because Allah tests the ones that he loves the most. Just look mm -hmm. at the prophets. Peace be upon all of them. 
I would like, I've been smiling non-stop. I wish I could turn on my camera, but I can't do that, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. You good, bro. You good. You, good. Bro. Oh, no, you gotta keep the privacy. Yeah. yeah, we'll keep the privacy, bro. But listen, we have a group chat, right, that we've been communicating through with you thus far. Yeah. We'll keep this group, group, group chat going strong. Keep it alive, bro. Anytime you have any questions, inquiries, clarifications, anything you need from us, bro, we're always here. Yeah. We'll regularly check up on you. We'll, we'll hit you up, you know, after the stream is done. And try to give you some things, you know, to point you in the right direction. But as of now, bro, you're Muslim, bro. Take this day. It's Friday, you know. Um, just enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk about the next steps, you know, how to pray, all that stuff. It will come, bro, inshallah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, of course. And uh, what a beautiful time to take your shahada as well. In the last 10 nights of Ramadan, in the last few days of Ramadan, subhanAllah. Absolutely beautiful, mashallah. <clears throat> so, um. Since we are in, in Ramadan, and like Friday said, we will talk more offline, inshallah. You have fasted before, so I, I feel comfortable saying this. Uh, yeah, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm doing it now as well. Um, you're doing it now? Yeah. And he's fasting too, mashallah. That's so beautiful. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Um, <laughs> subhanallah. Well, I love you, bro. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say this real quick too. To anyone that made it this far, alhamdulillah, smash that like button. Share this with someone that might need to hear it. Um, we partnered up with a masjid too. If you guys want to support that masjid, they're going above and beyond and the help they do, the service they do to the community, helping those in need overseas, those that are less fortunate, inshallah. So links in the description to help them out. And to anyone that wants to support the channel, uh, I think we got a comment says, fired your PayPal from the website, can't donate from my country. There's probably a set from country other than us i don't know so from what i know anyone's able to donate it's just the currency that they give it is in usd so you can donate from any country but you can always dm us on instagram if you can't pay through paypal and we can you know show you how to do anything else like cryptocurrency or direct deposit or something else inshallah rami bro i wanted you to answer one question bro All if right. you don't mind yeah i'm just trying to find it Bro, I want you to basically tell the sister, you know, what you would say to this. Because I think it's not as bad as she thinks it is. And there's always hope. All right, bismillah. This made me tear up because I'm a Muslim, but I haven't fasted even for one day. Alhamdulillah. The fact that this makes you tear up is a beautiful thing. Alhamdulillah. Because there are people that claim to be Muslim that don't fast and don't care. Mm -hmm. And that person is worse than a person that, that doesn't fast and they know they're wrong. And a person that doesn't believe they, they should fast actually may not even be a Muslim to begin with. So alhamdulillah, at let's, let's first acknowledge that you're in a much better situation than maybe you were last year. In a lot better position than other people are. And sister, if it makes you tear up, then fast. Inshallah, if, you, if it's too late to start fasting today, fast tomorrow. At least fast the last day or the last two days of Ramadan and push yourself for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then make up the days that you missed afterwards. If... You're going to wait till the winter because you're going to wait till the winter because days are shorter. Okay, it is what it is. But make the intention of making up the days for Ramadan and the sooner the better. And at least make the intention of fasting next Ramadan. And inshallah, you'll be, you'll be tearing up with joy instead of sadness. Mm -hmm. Inshallah. And it's all baby steps. So at the end of the day, the fact that you're tearing up, it makes our day because we know that there's something there, bro. That's fitra. You know, when, when, when you see that, you see real, it shows that you got some realness inside you. Just be real with yourself, too, first and foremost, before anyone else on the Internet, too. Um, you know, alhamdulillah that you were honest with that, but you don't need to tell anyone. You don't need to, you know, this is between you and Allah. It's a personal journey, just like it's going to be for Brother Josh. But start somewhere, bro. Start with, or sis, you know, start with uh, a few days, you know, just do what you can and, and eventually work up to that. And make the intention, just like Rami said, we're not going to be the best Muslim that we can overnight. 
right? And this is a message to myself, first and foremost, too. We're not going to be the ideal, perfect Muslim or Muslimah tomorrow. But is how can we just be 1% better every day? How can we get there eventually? If you have that in mind, then inshallah, we'll get there. Yeah, and I just want to throw in, like, just like how Rami said, the fact that you feel bad about it, that's good. Because, you know, that how else can you be sincere in your repentance? You know, if you're asking Allah for forgiveness, how can you be sincere if you don't actually feel bad for it? So the first step in repentance is actually feeling bad for what you're doing. So, alhamdulillah, you know, you do feel bad for it. And just go back to God and go back to Allah. Ask for forgiveness. Start fasting now. You, You got a few days left. Never too late. Make it up when you can. Make the intention, and then that's it. That's that's pretty much it. Allah, Allah knows best what's in your heart. Very beautifully said, mashallah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Brother Joshua, you got anything else you want to ask? Um, uh, no, no. Um, I don't have anything else to ask. Alhamdulillah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bro, as as the questions keep coming up, like feel free to ask in the group chat, because I mean you, you trust like questions are gonna come up. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I will have questions that I'll do ask you guys. I need yeah. I need guidance, you know. Um, so yeah. don't worry about that. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, and and guidance comes from Allah subhanahu wa taala. You know, you may have a question that Allah answers for you in a way that maybe none of us here could have could have given you, and maybe Allah subhanahu wa taala will answer the question through us or use us. Uh, but regardless, guidance comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Alhamdulillah. Thank Alhamdulillah. you. Thank you. We're coming up on Jumma now. Uh, very, very shortly, I think. Inshallah, let's wrap it up then. All right. MashaAllah. Uh, I almost don't want it to end. <laughs> I'm just really happy. Alhamdulillah. I'm just, but, uh, just talking about it. Yeah. Habib Josh, may Allah bless you immensely. May Allah grant you the best of this world and the best of the next and the best of this life and the best of the hereafter. Allahumma ameen. ameen. And uh, welcome again to Islam, to the to the brotherhood, to, to the community, to the way, the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, the sirat al-mustaqeen, the straight path. And uh, you guys have anything to add <clears throat> before I wrap it up? No, bro. Just wanted to say Josh, bro. I wanted to ask you, are you still smiling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mashallah, bro. May Allah keep that smile on your face, that nur, that light on your face, and only allow yeah. it to get brighter and and shine on those around you to inspire them too, bro. I mean, and I've I've not only impacted my own life, but I've impacted the lives of others who are who were in the same situation as me. So definitely, bro. Definitely. Yeah. How many? Probably just watching the stream. They're also Christian, or they're also considering to take the shahada, and now they feel more comfortable, bro. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, bro. Anything before we end off? Uh, just the last thing that we want to say is, man, like, hey, we love you for the sake of Allah. And there's there's a lot more people who love you for the sake of Allah, bro. So welcome to the family. Thank you. I feel welcome already. You know, I feel at home already. Alhamdulillah. A lot of work that I need to do myself. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. All right. And with that being said, Jazakallah khair for everybody who attended. Jazakallah khair for Bilal Josh for coming on. May Allah 
accept from him his good deeds and elevate him in this life and the next. Allahumma ameen. And with that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fid akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.